our songs talk about our liberty. That's kind of been the theme of this service is freedom. We are the land of the free. Our pledge focuses on that liberty. God has shed his grace and it's an amazing country. Sons of Liberty gathered in Independence Hall and they signed a document. And four days later, they rang out the Liberty Bell, gathering people to hear the declaration of that, that document that defines our independence. And so it has prevailed and, and we're grateful for that. Even when the World Trade Centers came down, the architects gathered and started planning and, and soon we will see Freedom Tower erected in the very place where the the World Trade Centers came down. So there is an incredible focus on freedom. And so a day like today, we reflect and we get a fresh recognition and appreciation for the men and women over the years who have fought for those freedoms. So I would like to ask all of our veterans and all of our active military, would you please stand and let us recognize you and show our appreciation to you. Would you please stand, ladies and gentlemen, and let's show our thanks and appreciation to these men and women. God bless you, and thank you. America, the beautiful God, shed his grace on thee. Now, if you have accepted that grace and received that grace, there is now in you this enormous grace capacity. Ephesians teaches us about the fact that we were dead in our sin. We had no capacity for life. We were dominated by darkness and the devil. And there was a divine wrath directed toward us. But God, who is rich in mercy, gave his only begotten son. And Jesus died on the cross and he rose again to release ransom, to release grace. And if you have received that grace, now inside of you is the capacity for life. And to stand against the enemy and resist him. And to please God because the wrath of God has been averted from you to Christ and Christ satisfied the judgment of God. And when that grace was poured out on you and me within us now, there is this grace capacity. It's enormous. And I want to talk about that grace capacity today. I want to continue it in part two tonight. And so I look forward to seeing you tonight. Now I told the first service, here's the way it works. If you promise you're coming back tonight, I will only do part one this morning. So how many of you will be back tonight? Okay, so good. We'll get out by two at least, and then we'll be back around six o'clock. God has shed his grace, and now there is this grace capacity in all of those who are followers of Christ. And we must be careful to now release that grace to people who need it. Turning your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 1. And in a moment, we're going to read from this passage and see something very important. I want us to be reminded that the message of God was brought in a culture of oppression. You, you can see it from the Old to the New Testament. We will certainly see it illustrated in Exodus 1. And it was into this culture that the message of God and his grace exploded. 
Start with me, if you will, verse number 6 of Exodus 1. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said, Why have you done this? Why have you allowed the boys to live? I like their explanation. The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. The midwives replied, they are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. (laughs) So God was good to the midwives and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Watch this last verse, verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Do you see that the message of God is about to unfold through Moses in a time of incredible oppression? When you study The people groups like the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Persians, or the Romans. They were very oppressive people. And so God's message of hope and grace, it unfolded in a culture that was deep, dark, and oppressive. Moses was born into slavery. When you think of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were slaves. Esther was a slave. And these world changers, these people who have changed history, did so in a culture that was oppressed. When you think about Jesus Christ and his ministry, it was right in the face of the entire Roman Empire. 
So here you have the very message of Christ, a narrative of hope, one of grace. When he said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. It was spoken to a people who had never known a culture like that. All they had ever known was oppression. So when God shed his grace, it came through people who in times of incredible darkness became God's voice and out of that grace capacity became impact players on God's team. There's a few things I want us to see out of this passage. And the first is this, that this grace capacity allows us to be resilient. Here's the reason I say that. Because we are tempted to let our challenges keep us from the life that God has called us to live. We can use our burdens as excuses for not being the people that God wants us to be. And I just want you to know that the grace capacity in you rises up to make you resilient so that in the crucible adversity of adversity, God makes you strong. Your character is tested by fire. Who would have ever thought that the very movement of Christianity would be so powerful that it would see the, the crumbling of the Roman Empire? The grace capacity inside of the faith family called the local church is great enough to confront the darkness of this culture and to see the name of Jesus prevail. God has shed his grace upon you and me. Now may grace be released through you and me, even in a culture of such oppression. See, this grace capacity not only makes us resilient, but expectant. Something that's so dangerous in this culture is that we have a message being, being taught that people can't change. That we just have to accept the way we are. And if we do that, we will accept the worst of who we are. And a relational cynicism will develop to where we believe the worst about people. In a culture of such oppression and hopelessness, the local church rises in their grace capacity to declare that people can change. That God is in the turnaround business. That God takes us in the deepest wretchedness of our sin and he changes us, forgives us, accepts us, and sets us on a path of a whole new life. Grace to the mountain of adversity. Grace to the mountain of sin and addiction. Grace to the mountain of hopelessness. It must be communicated through his people. Grace is that capacity that capacity to be resilient, to expect the best, and then to be compassionate. You see, in Exodus 2, we're going to find that God heard the cry of his people. And he moved. He went to work. He was working and weaving throughout history to make a difference. You see, the grace capacity in you and me keeps us compassionate. We, we live in a, in a culture that lacks compassion. Anytime there's oppression... Compassion will be gone. And so we step into that darkness as the light of God to express compassion. You see, we're not exclusive as a church. We are inclusive 
as the people of God. Red and yellow, black or white, they are precious in his sight. People matter to God. All people matter to God. Everyone is a soul for whom Christ died. And it's his church out of that grace capacity that declares that kind of compassion. This culture would like to make us hard. It would like to make us cold in our compassion. I say let that grace capacity release a compassion from us as God's people to a world, to a community that needs to know God loves them. I see such an interesting twist. As you get to chapter 2, Moses is born and he lives with his mom for three months and then she has to put him in the Nile River there in the basket. And as I come into that, that part of the story, I want you to know that this, out of this grace capacity, we not only are resilient or expectant or compassionate, but we can become heroic. We talk a lot about heroes. God never raises up heroes for the sake of having heroes. He raises up heroes so that generations can have opportunity that otherwise they would not have had unless the heroes would have stepped into that time of history and become change agents. Isn't it interesting that in this time of such oppression, Israel's there captured by the Egyptians that Moses in that little basket in the Nile, an alligator-infested river, would end up right at Pharaoh's daughter and that she would take him into the palace and that it would be Pharaoh who would be part of developing the leadership skills of Moses. Such a divine drama that is happening. That the, the very kind of person Pharaoh feared, he helped to develop. It's an amazing drama of God that is unfolding and what we see is that in the oppression of the people, God was not absent. He was weaving and working throughout history to then call Moses out to go and confront that oppression and declare, let my people go. You see, when God moves in history, he calls his people out to then impact history on his behalf. Moving into this community a few months ago, we started looking for a home, and we have rented a home on North 16th Street. And and I'm finding that a lot of streets around here are named by numbers. Many communities are like that. But there will be streets in the future that will need names. And I wonder if it couldn't be a little more creative than numbers. 730 cities have a street named after Martin Luther King Jr., a man who rose up in a time of oppression and declared a message of freedom. And because the life that backed that message, there are people who've been released from the poverty of dreaming and having opportunity that otherwise they would not have had unless that hero would have stepped into history and made a difference. And so to to give place for that iconic message and man, often his name is placed on a street post, reminding that there are opportunities today because of a person like that who stepped into history and allowed his grace capacity to be released. 
Could it be that in the future, in the years to come, that on a street post would be the name, the assembly? That we accepted our assignment and were called to confront the oppression of our day with the message of hope, life, and grace? Could it be that our name would be on a cul-de-sac so that as people are kind of going in circles, we could be a message to them that you don't have to keep doing what you've always done so that you're getting what you've always gotten. But that cycle can be broken and your life can move forward through the power of God's amazing grace. Maybe our name would be on a street that's a dead end and it would be a message to people. You think it's over, but it's not over. You think you are finished, but you are not finished. We have an empty tomb to declare it's not over until God says it's over. There is a grace and a resurrection power that can touch your heart and revolutionize your life. Or could it be that our name would be attached right at a great intersection? And every time people see that name, they would have thoughts like every time those people showed up, life got better. See, you and I believe that when Jesus comes to town, things get better. Noticeably better. Oh, for the church to just release this grace potential to people that are in need until they dream again. In their hopelessness, we are a message of hope. In their addiction, we are a message of freedom. In their sin, we are a message of salvation. It's the faith family releasing the grace capacity. Not heroes for the sake of having heroes, but heroes so that people would have opportunity that otherwise they would not have. It's interesting, the third verse of America the Beautiful says these words, and they're coming on the screen. Oh, beautiful for heroes proved in liberating strife, who more than self their country loved and mercy more than life. Continue. America, America, may God thy gold refine till all success is nobleness and every gain divine. That is the grace capacity in those who know what it means to be saved. I want to tell you that on the highways and streets of this community, there are those with shattered lives. And I sense that the Lord is inviting us to take our place in the history of this city to affect the texture and the culture of this city. I want to thank God for those who have shown us what it means to have an enormous grace capacity. We are the benefactors of their sacrifice. But now with generations watching us, may we point them the right way. Would you close your eyes with me in his presence? Holy Spirit, we just pause with our hearts open to you, being fully reminded that but for your mercy and your grace, we can't imagine where we would be. 
we have become recipients of your love and your mercy, and now we are to be grace givers. Out of that capacity of life and the ability to resist the enemy and to please God, we would show forth the love of God. We would not allow our burdens and our challenges to be excuses from the life you've called us to live. Rather, we would let you make us strong in the midst of our adversity because grace gives us that capacity. Today, God, we will be expectant. We will look out at our community and say, God is able to change the sinner to a follower of Christ. We will see everyone as a candidate for God's grace and transformational power. We will be compassionate, not hardened toward those who are in need, but remembering what it was like to be on the outside and then to be invited in. Heroic, taking our place, stepping up in our time so that people can know opportunity that otherwise they will not know. Lord, I want to join with the wonderful men and women of the assembly and say yes to your call to us. You're calling us out and into our assignment to change our community. And it's all because of grace. Our chains are gone. We have been set free. You, our Savior, you have ransomed us and like a flood, your mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. And out of that attitude, we are motivated. Out of that attitude, we live to shine as lights in the darkness. The Bible says that when the enemy would come in, that like a flood, God would raise a standard against him. That standard would be his people and the grace released through his people that like a flood, not even the gates of hell would prevail against it. As that grace is released, addiction is broken. Darkness is lifted. Hope is given. Anytime God chooses to act, he will call his people to step up and be those vessels, the channels of that grace. If your chains have been broken and you've been set free, you're called now to the front lines of impacting the culture. However, if you have never confessed Christ as your Savior, this is your opportunity. You see, your chains can be broken. Let me talk to that person who's going in circles, getting what you've always gotten, because you keep doing what you've always done. Grace can break that cycle and give you a whole new life. To that person who feels as though you've come to the dead end and you've just settled in your misery and the brokenness of your life, I want to tell you that God can turn you around and put you on a new path by His grace. You've come to an intersection today. You've come to the cross. And there is power in God to set you free. My question to you is not, have you been attending church and, and you feel this by just going to church? It's religious or you have it by heritage. I'm asking you, have you ever confessed Christ as your Savior? 
Your life will not work until you accept Jesus as Savior. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he tried everything and he said it was like grabbing the air. And when he opened his fist, it was gone. He said, vanity, it's just all vanity. Nothing can satisfy your soul but the grace of God. That's what can fill that void and set you on a path of a whole new life. Your chains can be broken, your sins forgiven, because like a flood, mercy reigns with authority to make the difference in your life. So with your eyes closed all across this place, let me ask, do you need to accept Christ as your Savior? The answer is yes. Would you just lift your hand right now? I will see your hand and I will pray with you. I'm looking across this auditorium. You lift it high and say, I need God's grace. I need God's grace. Is there a bondage and addiction in your life? And you need God's help. Just raise your hand. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Say, that is me. I need the help of God. I need the grace of God. This is your invitation. Yes, God bless you. See, you don't have to leave the way you came. There's power in God. He loves you, cares about you. 